Abstract Athlete Podcast, a collision of art, sports, and science. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. To our epic listeners and sponsors, thank you for your support. If you have any questions or comments, please send it to info at theabstractathlete.com. We have two other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network. We would love you to give them a listen. The Abstract Doctors Podcast with Dr. G and Dr. C. And One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandrich Podcast. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms or check out our websites. Stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com, for information on subscription boxes and on upcoming events and workshops. Make sure to follow us on our social media platforms. Really honored to have as a guest today on the podcast as I get to speak with creative director, former basketball player at the University of Richmond, model, dancer, actor, and writer. She offers spiritual services and shamanic healing and and is also a philosopher. Also, she is a osteosarcoma survivor and above the knee amputee, Tracy Akers. We're gonna chat about her incredible and traumatic journey one of survival and one that shows her will and her love of her creative life. Also going to talk about her athletic background and how that discipline still feeds her way of making today. Make sure to follow her on Instagram at without a trace eight. That's W I T H O U T A T R A C E eight. Let's welcome Tracy Akers. I'm already recording, damn it. We're rolling. Yeah, baby. I yeah. Not, I don't My mess around. My computer's not deciding to update or anything, so smooth, <laughs> smooth. Transitions are smooth. That's good. How are you doing? Oh, wow. I'm doing pretty good. Okay. I'm actually, um, I've been dreaming about uh, designing. It's here. It's on my floor. It's a bunch of feathers. I don't know if you can see them. There they oh, are. Oh, yeah. 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 Damn. I'm making this, I'm designing this outfit that I'm going to wear for my next photo shoot. So I've gotten like super glues all over my fingers and put <laughs> nail polish on them and stuff, trying to get it all off. Welcome but... to being an artist, you know? Right. Yep. Well, I'm turning myself into a snowy owl too. So oh, that's yeah. part of it. <laughs> yeah. <'Cause... laughs> Take it to the next like level. Something. I mean, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Well, oh, yeah, thank you, Tracy, for doing this. Uh, you know, we were introduced by a mutual friend and um like i just think you have such a um an amazing story you know like of of just kind of i mean it's inspiring just um in in the fight that you have as a human um and and just you know like you kind of not kind of you do fit into really what we talk about um in terms of like a physical exercise and then a creative exercise, but how you got to some of these spaces, I think, um, are really interesting, fascinating. Um, again, I think the inspiration component with you is, is, is the story that needs to be told. Um, sure. cause I think, you know, like we, we chatted the other day and, 
Um, and again, like this is just a free for all conversation, so we can do whatever. Um, but sure. we, when we chatted the other day, you know, and and you can, we can get in into all this deeper and stuff, but I thought it was really interesting because you were you were an athlete growing up, like yeah. like a lot of us were, and you really had this goal to be the best to play basketball for Gino at at UConn, <laughs> and I mean I think, but that's that's awesome, and like that's when you when you're an athlete. I mean, I guess it's not just an athlete, but when you're a kid, like, or younger, like, you know, and you have these dreams and goals, like you shoot for the the moon and that's what you were doing. And you started having initially having leg issues. Yeah. Correct. I mean, like, again, like, I don't want to talk here forever because as far as I'm concerned, like, I always say this to people, like, this is your platform (laughs) or this is your ship and I'm just steering it a bit, I guess. And, um, I love storytelling. I'm ready to go, go do it, (laughs) do it. No, I love your intro. I appreciate you. I, you know, I've really, I'm really glad that we were able to connect and that we're here today. So, especially because we do have so much in common and in common with the abstract athlete to begin with. So it's brought us all together. You know, now it's what I do in my life is I'm a creative director and I'm also, um, an energy, like shamanic, like spiritual worker is so I do like a cornucopia of things that all tie into this story that you're you've sort of began for us on this journey we're going on today so I uh yeah I had played basketball I started you know professionally training from a really young age and uh it was in the Richmond area and I was playing travel basketball playing for my high school doing all that right like so many of us we really threw ourselves into it with tenacity right because I decided I had made up in my mind I was like you know we are naturally like in touch with my body and um you know a lot like many of us like we're athletically talented right and then I really wanted to put that gift into basketball that's what I chose at the time right so I went all in 100 100%, 100% over 100% probably too much <laughs> but I was around when I was like 13 or 14 I remember I was spending the night at a friend's house, like an actual one of my teammates, like on the middle school basketball team or something at the time. And uh, I remember like passing out on her staircase, like randomly. I had no idea what was going on. It was really strange. And when I sort of came to, I looked down at my leg and it was like, like black and blue and swollen, like just like the veins. Like it just, I, I, I thought immediately to myself, I was like, oh, well, you know, maybe I injured it during a game, you know, I had never had like a sports injury before because I was only 14, you know, so I didn't know what was wrong with it. So I went to the doctor with my dad, like, you know, within a couple days and they found like tumors, like size of a freaking grapefruit in my leg, like astronomical. Like, I remember the doctor who found it, he was like, uh, I can't help you. I'm gonna have to send you somewhere else. Like I heard that so many times throughout my life. Like, oh, I, we, I can't help you. I'm gonna have, you have to go here. You're gonna have to go there. Everyone was kind of scared of me, you know, (laughs) it's cool, but it was what it was then. So I started this journey of like one surgery after the other, like probably every two years or so I had these recurring tumors that they would have to hollow out, replace with cadaver bone and just totally reconstruct my leg all the time. So you know, where I had once been dreaming of Gino or like Pat Summit, right? All these big names, all these dreams that even as a kid we hear, we know they're like something else, you know? That sort of sort of vanished from my ether. So I was still 
hellbent on playing basketball though. <laughs> so when I got to high school, you know, I also faced a series of other surgeries. You know, my leg was already compromised, the strength in it and things. So I tore my ACL, my MCL, my meniscus in one shebang, one game. Yep. Annihilated it. Annihilated it. And what so was, that just was a whole a, just other a, series a, a, of it, you know? What, so you were basically having like reconstructive surgery in some capacity, like you said, every, yeah, mm-hmm. every, every, what did you say? Six months? Two, every two years. Every but two years. I would get about like, you know, sometimes one surgery, sometimes two surgeries right. are very intense. So by the time I got to the end of high school and was going to go to college at the university of Richmond, I had already had eight or nine surgeries. In the end, I would get what was well. like, what was like the, <laughs> what was like the, the recovery time from that? Like, cause yeah. again, like you still, like you said, you're hell bent on playing basketball. So like you would have a surgery, like how long would it take you to get back to play? So it was always a little different. It would depend okay. because the, the nature of this bone disease, it was very insidious and it was very, um, again, like no one really had an answer as to what it was because it wasn't considered cancer at the time it eventually would be right we know we're heading there but at the time it was just okay it's not benign it's not malignant but it's still this tumor that's alive and it's coming back and regenerating and eating your tissues right so I would honestly get the surgery I'd be in the hospital for a while and I would have to heal up it was almost like it was a broken bone right because if you get any sort of bone work I mean it just needs some time to sit there and you know heal so I would probably take several, several months. I mean, I got, uh, I became a professional crusher is what I became <laughs> in the end. <laughs> okay. I got really good. I could probably race someone in some sort of Olympic race on crutches. I was really good at it. So um, I would spend months and months not walking around on it until I would get to, you know, I would be doing some physical therapy, like keeping it limber, you know, working on the scars, you know, all these things, but wasn't really able to walk it off. But then after about, six months of that, you know, just really not doing anything on it at all, then I could start gradually moving into more, you know, uh, exercise, bearing weight type of things in physical therapy. So I also became really good at physical therapy. I probably have my certification by now. (laughs) Okay. Um, But it, it was really just dropping into that place of recovery, like over and over and over again. And so I would do physical therapy for months and months and months when it was time for me to actually start bearing weight on it again, you know? And so by the time I would honestly recover and really be back to the sport, sometimes then I would have to go get another (laughs) bone reconstruction again, honestly. So when I got to my freshman year of college, I, you know, I had offers to play for D1 or for D2s and D3s, but my heart just wasn't in it. You know, because I still felt I was a D1 athlete. That's like really what I wanted. And so, you know, like I said, I ended up going to the University of Richmond. And I remember it was the first week I was there. I was going through, you know, what do they call it? Like welcome week and all these things, like trying to integrate the freshmen into school. And uh, I knocked on the coach's (laughs) door (laughs) in the women's basketball office. And I brought like my game film, my high rate reels and just, you know, my bio, who the heck I was. And I was, you know, I said, look, you know, I'm coming to school, you know, I don't know if you guys, you know, take walk-ons or anything like that. I was like, but, you know, if you want to watch my film, talk to me. I was like, you know, I'd love to give it a try. And the first thing the 
the, uh, the coach said, he goes, what are you going to do? Be my center? Cause I'm, I'm only five, six. <laughs> I was the shortest on my team. Yeah. And, uh, I said, well, I said, I'll play center for you. If that's what you want coach, I can do it. You know, joking around with him. But I was serious, you know? And, uh, over the next few weeks, he had me in the gym and I tried out and I scrimmaged with the rest of the girls. And I ended up only playing about two years because again, the tumors had come back and I actually ended up tearing my ACL a second time um, when I was actually trying to. So I remember my freshman year happened. It was the summer. I got a bone reconstruction. And then when the next season started my sophomore year, I was in rehab with the physical therapist there, et cetera, et cetera. And it just, it tore apart, like, you know, cotton candy. So um, at that point, I had to just finally give it up, you know, but I felt in my heart that I knew, like, I, I don't, I don't regret it, but I did it and I followed through with it because I wanted, you know, in my heart to be like, yeah, I knew I was a division one athlete. I knew I was capable of it despite all this stuff. And I really wanted that for my ego, I guess, at the time, you know, and I was just a kid. And you did it. I mean, like, (laughs) I mean, again, that's what I think is so inspiring about, like, you could have folded up the tent and not even tried, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And I mean, what that ended up doing though, and we talked about a little bit of this when we spoke earlier this week, but I want to bring it to here as well. And, you know, after I left the team and, you know, really had to <laughs> reclaim whatever my identity as Tracy really was, because I had just identified as this athlete and a basketball player for so, so long. And that had been my dream. It had been what I even identified with into the future. You know, like I wanted to play professionally one day, like I really did. So I had always been a writer, even when I was in high school, when I was a kid, I was always writing songs or poems or whatever I called them, little journals around my house. And so I had been an artist from a really, really young age. And uh, when I did quit basketball as a sophomore in college, uh, I got the opportunity to really get involved with all these other things in writing on campus. Like I became like the copy editor of the newspaper and the fiction editor of the literary magazine. And I was like the student writer for the alumni magazine. And I was like creating, I became like a, uh, I was already an English major, but I took on creative writing minor. And I was just really got to dive into all these facets of my humanity that I hadn't allowed myself to do when I was just pouring all of my energy into the sport, right? And um, it was my senior year, my life took a whole nother turn. Like I really started getting to like nurture these other parts of me that needed my attention. And then when my senior year hit in college, I, you know, had had over 10 surgeries at that point. And I went in to get another bone reconstruction. It was like during like Christmas break or something. And when my doctor went in and I've gotten all of these surgeries done at VCU, uh, I've had the same doctor who started with me in the first bone reconstruction, my orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Gary Thompson, he's great. Um, until, you know, this still, he's still on the journey with me now, but, and, but leading into the story. So he went in to do one of our bone constructions together again. And this time I woke up like really quick. Like I had been under the sleeping spell many times in my life already. And 
when I woke up, I could already feel that something was off. You know, I hadn't been asleep that long is actually what I felt, you know? And uh, when I woke up, he told me, he was like, look, Tracy, he goes, when I went in, the tumors looked different than I had ever looked before. And I was like, really? He goes, yeah, he goes, I'm afraid that they have metastasized into osteosarcoma, right, bone cancer. And so, you know, we did, you know, the biopsy of it and everything, and that's what it came back. So immediately within the next week, I had my portacath put in, and then like, I dropped out of school in the middle of my senior year, and I started chemotherapy, like at the beginning of January 2016, life or death chemo, like, you know, I don't know how much... <laughs> you or the crowd here knows about uh, like osteosarcoma statistics versus like other cancers, right? It is a very rare cancer and, you know, it does not have great statistics for survival rates because a lot of times the nature of bone cancer is it's something that people don't catch very soon. Luckily and not, I was always being operated on. So they were able to catch it at an okay stage. You know what I mean? But it was still something that required really, really hefty uh, chemicals, poison, chemo running through my body. So for two months, I was in and out of the hospital like every other week getting pumped and pumped and pumped. I, you know, I'd be packing my bags for, for the hotel stay type ordeal, you know, who knows? Like, so two months of that, my liver was failing at that point. So... I went in for one of my long stays with my bags and everything. And I had gotten my blood drawn because they look at like all of your white blood cell counts, that type of thing before they give you chemo, just to make sure we'll see how you're doing. And the doctor goes, you know, well, Tracy, we can't give you any more chemo today. We can't do this round of chemo. And he said, you know, if we give this chemo to your day, your liver's gonna fail. You're gonna be on a liver transplant. No one, no girl dying while osteosarcoma is gonna get a liver. So I was like, okay, well, what are we going to do and <laughs> instead of chemo then? And it was three days later, they took my leg. They wanted to take it the next day. And I said, I can't do it tomorrow. <laughs> I said, I, give me like a little bit more time just to like process it. So I remember it was like a Monday when they told me they wanted to do it Tuesday. We did it Thursday. So the, that three days was like a really interesting period of my life. It was really when, and we've talked about this a little bit, and it's really in a lot of the art that I've been creating lately and the poetry that I've been writing and even the poetry I was writing at the time. I was actually starting to write this book already. I didn't even know it. And it was about going through a portal of change because I had all these portals in my life completely shattered, the portal of Tracy playing basketball, the portal of Tracy doing everything in her life with two legs. It was just gone, right? So... It was like an empty expanse of like potential, right? You can either view it that way or just a complete annihilation. It was both. But what was I going to do? What was I going to do with this like big, huge turning point in my life? So I remember I went home those three days and I did all sorts of things. <laughs> One of the things I did the night before was I did prints of my left foot. I got out all these <laughs> colors of paint and all these canvases. I wanted to like create like a shrine of it or something. I don't know what I was doing. It was a funeral, you know? And so I painted with my feet for like hours and hours and hours. And I still have them. <laughs> They're pretty cool. 
And another thing I did was I remember I wrote like in Sharpie, like all of my poems that I had written about this passing through the portal, this mermaid, like between the worlds. Cause that's how I felt. Part of me was dying. I was in one world and then part of me was alive here. And so mermaids, you know, they have this uh, mysticism about them and a lot of folklore and a lot of fairy tales and different cultures because of the, like the, because of like the healing nature of water, they can pass between, between dimensions and between worlds. So that's kind of how I felt. That's what it felt like at this time it was like, I was something big was about to change. My life wasn't the same as it had been. I knew I wasn't going to where it had previously been, that I didn't know what it was gonna look like on the other side. So I wrote all these poems all over my leg. And I told Dr. Thompson when we went in for the surgery that I didn't sleep the whole night. I just did this the whole night before. I mean, how could I sleep, you know? And uh, when I got to the hospital that morning, and it's, it's actually, what's today's date? It's March 6th, March 10th, 2016 with my amputee. It's been five years Jeez. now. My and my ampuversary is coming up, as I said. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm I want you to keep talking about this stuff, yeah. but I'm I'm curious, you know, because we're so big on this how creativity and a and a physical exercise, like a, a mental mm. and physical exercise are so beneficial to us as humans, like how were you, I mean, you said kind of you were, you were continuously writing during this time. Like, how were you really thinking about how being creative was, was really benefiting you at this point? Because I'm sure like in, I mean, it sounds like the timeline from when you had to like quit basketball to losing your leg is such a short period of time where like your, your head just had to be spinning. I mean, in some ways, like, and I'm, you know, like, I think one of the things, and I think we were talking about this the other day is like, we, you know, art is therapy. Like it just is, but we don't like to think about it or, well, I don't want to say it like that. We want to try to get people to think about creativity in a proactive sense. And I think Mm -hmm. we were talking about that. And you were like, you were just because you were creative anyways. I mean, I think it took on a different form for you. Like it, it jumped to the forefront as opposed to basketball being at the forefront, but you were still always doing it. And I think that that's such an important aspect to you is you already had that creative sense and that understanding of what it does for you kind of built into your rituals um, yeah. but then you like, you're losing your, the physical sense. So that still had to be like some sort of, you know, like it had to, it had to like be weighty, I guess is yeah. a good way to say it. I but- love how you're thinking about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was great. Uh, yeah. So during that time, every, a lot of my family and friends, they knew I was a writer and they would come up to me like while I'm sitting bald and one-legged on that. Cause what happened after this amputation is I did six or seven more months of just brutal, brutal chemo, annihilated chemo. Um, I lost like a lot of what, even this type of identity, my hair, my eye, I, I was like, I was completely naked and stripped of everything, you know? And, uh, you know, people would come and visit me and they would say, oh, well, Tracy, you must be writing so much about this whole experience right now. And I would look at them, I'd just be shaking my head. I, I felt like complete dog shit. Yeah. 
I mean, it was actually really difficult to use my brain uh, for that type of art form. Like I could do poems and spit them out occasionally, but like doing like a nonfiction, like journaling depiction of this, it was not something I had the, the energy to literally do. A lot of my energy went to just keeping my body alive, you know? So a lot of the, uh, you know, to think about like the thought process of what was going into this and like the medicine that I was still getting from creativity at the time, which I realize now is actually something that is very physical and very instinctual. I think for many of us is what we don't realize, but definitely for me as a person who had already identified as a creative human, you know, like, or that that was something that was important to me in my life. So what happened is like the creative medicine that I was working with at the time, like some of these things I mentioned already was sometimes it was a very conscious thing and sometimes it was almost a, a like just sort of like a subconscious action, you know, like I didn't realize I was tapping into this creative medicine all the time. It's like sometimes I would do it really intentionally. And sometimes it's just what my body needed to move certain, you know, energy out and then certain energy in that I needed to keep going and survive. So an example of that. So after I had already lost my leg, I, um, remember I had this really terrible round of chemo around July so bad I was like vomiting like black and blue bile because my organs were just dying it was terrible and uh, I had sort of come to after this round um, there was like this period this like bell curve of like I would come home from the hospital after a week of chemo getting it every day for eight hours they would send me home and then there would be this like two or three day period where I just was totally like delusional but sick, so sick, I was just out of my mind and body, you know? And then I would really, my spirit and just my energy would really come back into my body. It's the only way I had to really describe it, you know? When I would really, I feel like I would be safe in my body again. That's what trauma does, right? It takes us out of our body. So when I would come back to my body a little bit, I would get this like sort of like swing of energy from having like laying in the bed and vomiting for two or three days to, oh my God, I'm feeling so much better than I did these past, what, what, what can... You know, so there was something that needed to be moved in me. And also it was like a motivation type of thing. So sometimes I would paint. Sometimes I would, you know, make these different, very just sort of more traditional visual arts. But the thing that I did, I think is really interesting that I loved the most was dance. And I hadn't danced. Oh my God. Like I had, I never had considered myself a dancer. I really hadn't before this moment in my life. And I uh, remember after this particular round in July when I was like really, really sick and I sort of came up on the bell curve there. I looked at my, uh, my, my sisters at the time, my family, and I was like, look, I was like, can we bring these cameras outside? I said, I started like setting up this like stage under the carport of my like mother's garage, okay? And I like brought like a workout bench that I had out there. Cause you know, I've been trying to, at some point I couldn't even do the things that I had done for exercise anymore. That's why I turned to this creative platform of like dance. This one movement I could like do with my own body weight, right? And uh, one of my favorite songs at the time was Sia's Elastic Heart. I was obsessed with Sia. <laughs> She's amazing. <laughs> You know, she's been through a lot of her own trauma. I think that's why I connected with her music. Because I have a lot of like, you know, unfortunately, like domestic violence and history in my family and different things, unfortunately. So 
I was processing and healing a lot in my life at the time, not just this. So I got out under that carport and I started like venturing into the portal of which I'm really experiencing with now in my life as a creative director and like making film and all these things of um, interpretive dance. And uh, man, got me some good exercise, baby. <laughs> but I think I that that's like, like that. I, I love the fact that, you know, like you're talking about just so many different ways of creativity. And that's what I always try to tell people. Like creativity isn't just sitting down and painting or drawing. Like it can be anything. It can be a combination of things. Yeah. And, and so like, I love the fact that while like before, you know, you're, you're, you're continuing to write, write, writing poems, short stories or whatever, but before you had your leg removed, like you were painting, like you you draw, like, but now you're getting into another form that maybe speaks more volumes to who you are as a person. Because again, that loss of the basketball, which was such a huge component is that the physicality that up and down the court and blah, blah, blah. So like bringing, yeah. bringing some of that activeness back, but in a, and not the basketball isn't creative. My God, like they're some of the most creative oh, people yeah, on the planet. Um, mm -hmm. But like to bring that kind of uh, athleticism into, you know, like a air quotes, creative space, I think really actually speaks a lot to who you were and maybe who you are are re-engaging for lack of a better oh, yeah. way to say it. Oh, I totally agree. Because if you think about the nature of basketball, like we have plays and stuff, right? Like there's always some time there theoretically, like we can plan, but when you're actually in the game, oh my God, it goes so much differently. It is an interpretive <laughs> dance. It is oh, totally. something you're performing in the moment. And that's what I do with a lot of my dance now is it's not always some, like I have an idea, right? I have a play in mind like an emotion in mind or whatever that it is that I want to show up on the camera in the film. But like what I really bring is, it's not like everything completely choreographed before I go into performance, right? Just like basketball. Like, I don't know exactly how I'm gonna get to the basket. I don't know exactly which one of my teammates I'm gonna be making this pass to at this moment. You just can't know. There's just a whole level of uncertainty to it. I think it's very exciting, honestly. But it's organized I'm, I'm, chaos. I have the energy. Yeah. <laughs> it is. I mean, it is because I mean, you're, you're saying exactly what, like, you know, like you draw plays in basketball, like you would choreograph a, a dance, but there's still that element and chaos is too heavy of a word, but you know what I mean? It like, it, it really oh, yeah, truly is. You. It's like there, there's always something that's going to fuck with that play. <laughs> I mean, there is, there's just oh, like, that's, absolutely. that's the nature of sport. You know? Oh, yeah. And I mean, to speak to, and I think I sent this to you the first and most recent, like, short film that I made to a song called Wolves by Big Sean and Post Malone, which I love for a lot of reasons and really helped me tap into some healing that I really need in my life and some processing I really need to do um, from my childhood. But uh, I remember we, we filmed this on 13121. So like the very dead end of January. And I had been planning it for months. You know, like the photographers and the cinematographer and everyone who's gonna be there. And the day before 
we get this forecast in Richmond of all this snow. I mean, it never snows here. Never, it never snows here. <laughs> no, not like, and especially like it did too. Like it was some snow, baby. And uh, I text everyone in the group. I'm like, hey, look, y'all. I said, if, if, if anyone has any reasons or conditions under which, you know, whether it's equipment or just your own personal, you know, whatever, and you can't come and you can't do it tomorrow. That's fine. I said, but to me, baby, this is a dream come true. <laughs> So it was perfect because the whole day I did a series, I did probably about four dances that afternoon. Like the whole thing was shot in an afternoon. And uh, there are some couple other scenes that were done sort of in a sort of like mock church, this mock home building on um, the set. And we did that the two days later after a day of rest. Um, but the heart of all that dance film was shot in an afternoon. And I did four dances that are all completely different from one another because I had already had in my mind for like a month or two, because, you know, I have a prosthesis now and I'm an amputee. This is a huge elemental shift in my plans of what my body is even physically like capable of like doing, at least I thought, right? And so if I had choreographed or made a plan of exactly what I wanted this dance to look like for that day, it, I would have had to trash it anyway because of the snow. <laughs> it just wouldn't have worked. I would just been slipping and sliding everywhere. Right, right. And that would have been the film, was Racy slipping and sliding. So I had to rework in my mind immediately that morning I woke up that we were going to film it. What like sort of my sort of attack plan was going to be. And how is it going to shift and think about my weight in the snow and how my body works now. So yeah, four completely different dances. That's what I really like to do is this very avant-garde, like in the moment sort of performance. And uh, that's what we did that day. And it turned out, I mean, incredible. Of course, I had an idea of where I wanted the camera. Of course, I knew exactly what scenes we were going to do. And like, we had the whole narrative, right? And the storyline plotted out. But I told everybody when I was down on the ground, ready to be a wolf and do this dance, I was like, say my prayers. And, you know, I don't break anything in the snow, okay? And, uh, <laughs> and I looked at everyone, I said, so, okay, I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but I'm going to be on the ground for this amount of time. And this is where we're going to need the camera. And this is what I want you all to capture and see. Right? And this is the emotion I'm going to evoke in this one right now. So I want you to make sure you get this shot of my face at this end, blah, blah. Right. And so I think it totally makes sense from like where I came in my background of like athleticism in these moments and uh, the willingness to just like go hard for a certain amount of time before the buzzer goes off that. And that was like the end of the song for me. You know, I said, I just have yeah. to hustle hard and go all in for like this three minutes. <laughs> and then, and then I can get my hand warmers and my jacket on, you know? Quick break, just a reminder to make sure to follow Tracy on Instagram at without a trace eight. That's W I T H O U T A T R A C E eight. Also a reminder to listen to the other podcast on the Abstract Athlete Network, The Abstract Doctors with Dr. G and Dr. C, and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandridge podcast. You can follow us on all of our social media platforms and you can check out our websites. Now back to Tracy. I mean, do you think like in some way, like, I love that because that is like, you know, like the overlap, lit, the literal overlap of sport and, and creativity and how you're kind of composing this and how you're thinking about it. And I mean, do you, 
do you think you take some of that uh, maybe aggression from a sport into your <laughs> into your creativity? I don't know if aggression might, oh, might yeah. be too heavy of a word, but like um, mm-hmm. that kind of, you know, there's, I attack my studio practice like I did my sports, not, not as aggressive, but I attack it in the sense that I'm very ritual based. And I know that that's from my, from my athletic mm-hmm. background and, and, sure. and, and it helps me because I think of it like practice. And, and so I'm wondering if that, if, if you think that there is, cause it does seem like there is some sort of, um, want for lack of a better way to say it like that. You're, you're oh, yeah. like, and, and aggression is too hard of a word maybe, but I like that, that want of, of really taking on this creative practice the same way that you took on your basketball. Yeah, I honestly, I feel like you hit the nail on the head, but I would take a step further and I would just say probably passion. Yeah, that's a better It's like word my than... passion. Oh yeah, but I get it. But it's, but if you, but I, you're right too, because, you know, if you look at any of the art that I've done and like what really led up to this is I started taking my poems uh, and I thought they they had all these mystical qualities. They were, they have the landscape in them. Like, you know, I'm a storyteller. And so I wanted to turn these poems into photos and visual art was the, one of the first steps I took when I was heading to this direction of like, you know, making film and video. And so if you look at these, like this modeling I d- have done over the years of all these ideas I've had, it has a full range of emotion in them and like different forms of this like passion and I'd say aggression as in like showing up like fully myself, you know, which I think sometimes we can be really timid to do, right? Which is, I think why we have like this more like tenacious word of like, yeah, aggression and showing up because like they were games like where I would like totally psych myself out. And like, I, you know, my self-esteem would be really low or like, I, you know, maybe I wasn't having like a really great game or something, you know, that would happen, right? And then other times I would show up like, you know what? I don't know exactly what's going to happen in this game, but I'm ready to play, baby. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's the same thing. Like with a lot of my photography and film, I do it outside. Like you, I don't know what the weather is going to be exactly. Like I don't know exactly what the light is going to do, but I'm going to go into that environment. I'm going to go in and fully show up in that moment and work with whatever I got. Right. So, yeah, I definitely think that is tied to sort of that like background that sort of set me up to this. And then also like being a director, like, you know, I can't be afraid to, you know, kindly share with everyone the direction why I would like us to move in. It's something I have to communicate, right? And be willing to go to a level of detail and share it with like a team of people. And I played, you know, the point guard or the shooting guard. Those are those are my that's what I did. That was my job. I had a really great three pointer. That was my jam. <laughs> I had a good shot. That was the practice. Right? right. And then also I was the playmaker, you know, I was the ball handler. That's what I did. So, you know, when I think about all of this, it, it was really just like, and then also like my passion for life itself, like what kept me alive when I was getting like pumped with all that chemo, you know, a lot, I had a lot of help for one, a lot of spiritual help, a lot of, <laughs> you know, guides, God, you know, whatever it is for you looking out for me, 
my higher self looking out for me. I wanted to be here. My journey wasn't over. I had great doctors. You know, I had community support. I had people helping me pay for this chemo. It's actually really expensive to die. <laughs> to be frank, it's true. I, I mean, that's that's a huge problem. You know, I mean, it really truly is that. That I don't know. I don't want to get deep into the, the healthcare oh, system, but it's like, yeah, we we need these things need to be fixed. We shouldn't go broke because we get sick. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. And it's, it's totally another conversation too, but a very important one. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I, I think it was, it's just this passion for life. And I think that comes through my art and, and that's who I am because I, I love my, I love who I love being Tracy, you know, well, and I, I, I love being here. And, I, and again, like, that's why I think like, that you have, you have a great energy. Like I could tell that the other day when we talked, mm -hmm. like, and, and you do have a passion for life. I think that that's the, the best way to say it. Like you said earlier, cause I mean, even God, you, you were in a, a huge car wreck last year, correct? Oh God, I didn't even, we hadn't even gotten to that. Yeah, I know, I no, but I'm just like, it. that's perfect. Yeah. Segue, honestly. Yeah. Because, because, I mean, again, like you, you broke your neck and it, like, I, you know, like, and you probably had to fall back on all this stuff that you've gone through to get through that. And you're in the hospital during a pandemic, which again, like, I, you know, like of all places to be, I, you know, it's just, so it's just, again, like, yeah. that's why I keep going back to like the inspiration part. And, you know, and I even want to talk about, you know, like there's, but you like, you're modeling too correct like <laughs> yeah. right and i th but i think that, like it's so it's so cool what you're doing that i do think just inherently like your energy and that passion that you you've said and and kind of the tenacity that's another great word that it does infect other people mm -hmm. and and so i think it's important to like like for, for you to be on this platform and, and, and for us to like work together in the future, but just to get your, your stories out there, because sure. like, my God, I mean, your story, no, I mean, I, you know, it's, yeah. it's so like, it would have destroyed a lot of people and here you are as happy as can be. And, mm. and I think that that's really powerful. And that's why I keep saying inspire. I like, I say that about a lot of people that we work with because thankfully we do work with people that I think are naturally just here to give. And, and I think that, you know, there's so many bad things in the world and so many things that we can talk about that are shitty and blah, blah, blah. And the stuff you've gone through is obviously shitty and hellish. And, but here you are yeah. like talking about it in a positive manner, like, this is who I am and this is how I take this stuff on. I just think it's inspiring. Thank you. No, really, truly. Thank you so much. I, uh, you know, I'm not always happy. I have not always. No, none been, of us are. Right. <laughs> However, you know, I didn't start doing a uh, film and I didn't even turn like, uh, this book of poetry laying between worlds, this portal idea, this portal philosophy into a series of four, like into the, like an art exhibit, essentially of four different modeling shoots that I did until after I broke my neck. Because what I did is when 
I finished chemo and I finished that journey. I went back to school. I re-enrolled at U of R. I only had four classes left. I had like a bunch of majors. Like I said, I was like majoring in leadership studies. That was like the athlete in me and everything. <laughs> and, and then, you know, I was majoring in English and then like getting the mind creative writing. I wrapped it all up. And I was like, I got to get out of Virginia. I've been in Virginia my whole life. So I moved to Colorado for the next like two or three years. And that's, this is where I really started making a lot of art and really getting into modeling and writing a ton more than I ever had. And I would go back and forth between, you know, when you go through something so traumatic like that, like I had to spend a lot of time working on my mental health, you know, working with a lot of like EMDR, like, you know, trauma specialists to help me like process this. I really got into the shamanic work that I do now. Um, had a lot of teachers along my path. And so I would dissociate in and out of my body for like a long time. Like I would be in my body feeling safe and I, like my mind would go someplace else. Cause we were afraid, right. Of like being here. Like it was actually really scary for me to be a one-legged person. I'm sure. <laughs> this point in my life right and it's painful it was like physically painful mentally painful spiritually emotionally like painful right so I got to really start experiencing this full full range of my emotions and sometimes I wouldn't sometimes be like I can't feel this right now when my body would ask me to feel it right so I'd go back and forth in this like healing process eventually I did leave Colorado um and why? I back <laughs> why did I leave well actually I love I, it out this, there this is this is I I loved it too and I unfortunately I got into not just the car accident you mentioned which I'm about to speak to but I got into unfortunately uh one out there before I even came back to Virginia and uh it dislocated my CMC joint from my hand my thumb was completely hanging off the back of my hand um so I was two limbs down and I wasn't doing well. And I had a job at the time where I didn't have a lot of time off. And, you know, it was not, it was a lot of computer work and, you know, uh, communications. And it just wasn't something I could really continue. I wasn't able to really take care of myself like I needed to. I was very depressed, <laughs> to say the least. So I did end up doing a cross country journey. It was really beautiful. Um, did it one more time. So I drove from Colorado back here in summer 2019. And um, started working for U of R, actually my alma mater again, and their academic support office with the athletes in the athletic department. I was a critical writing tutor, uh, an academic advisor. I'm still doing it, you know, virtually and everything right now. I love working with the students and the athletes, obviously close to my heart. But I uh, started doing that and like I had bought a car to replace my one from Colorado. And then uh, within the week, the first week that I had bought this used car, I did not have one of my shiniest moments and hit the back of a tractor trailer on 95. You know, I was rushing to work. I was feeling it, all that whole thing, you know? And so it was in that accident that I broke my neck. Um, but it was actually a delayed break they took me to the ER, did a full body CT scan, didn't see anything at the time, sent me home. And it was about at the beginning of the pandemic, March or April, my body just started to break down. I was in tons of pain. I just didn't understand like what I was experiencing until I found myself in the ER at the very beginning of May in the neuroscience unit. And my whole neck had been completely severed. I have, I have a huge metal implant 
from levels five to seven now. I had to get a huge fusion in my neck. And they had to like, I have a scar right here, you can probably see it, but they had to move my trachea and my esophagus out of the way. I remember for weeks and weeks, I could barely eat or swallow or anything. <sighs> and so what this did, like and you mentioned, it was so triggering. I was back in this hospital that I had been in my whole childhood. I was like, oh my God, I'm in Virginia, I'm in BCU again, here I am. <laughs> I was like, really, oh, the man. universe asking me to face what I had been through it was not an option not to heal and not to face this stuff anymore, you know? And so that's what I did. I used that time in the hospital. I was writing more than I ever had. I'd never written during, like, I wrote a whole book, actually. <laughs> I'm working on getting it published now. But I wrote and wrote and wrote during this experience. I'm so glad I did because it really got to transmute and heal some things I hadn't gotten the opportunity to do. And boy, was the hospital in complete disarray during a pandemic, like we said, not at the best time to get a spinal surgery. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> not that uh, there's ever a good time for that, but. No, but, but what it did though, is that summer, I just started this, went through another portal in my life, a complete change. And I started really diving into what I really wanted to do with my life, which was start creating all this really, really cool art more than ever, more than I ever had before, whether it was writing, whether it was modeling, whether it was photography, whether it was film, whatever it was, you know, same with my healing work, dove into that too. work with a lot of clients, like doing shamanic uh, visualization. So started that journey, doing all these different things that were really calling to me to, to share and to just show up the world as me with my medicine and embrace me, you know? And so that's why I went to Rhode Island and I did all these shots and like, you know, created this uh, laying between worlds, like art exhibit. And then a couple months later I did wolves. Hasn't even been a year since I broke my neck, you know? I mean, I've been doing tons of physical therapy the past few months and I've really, my rehab has been like a great success and uh, been dancing more than ever, you know? And uh, Which is awesome. And again, like, me. that's what I, like, that's that thing I'm talking <laughs> about, like, that you just, you just keep persevering, like, you know, like, I, and I, I love that. Like, I think it's, 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 it's just inspiring. I mean, it, you know, like, again, I, you know, I'm always interested in, um, and I tend to ask this question a lot, but I'm always interested in who, who are like influences on you, like whether it's athletes, whether it's mm. artists, whether it's a sister, you know, like those people sure. that, you know, it, it might be your doctor. I mean, like you just, you mentioned earlier that, that mm. I don't remember his name already, but the doctor that you've been with basically from the beginning has to be in some ways like inspiring. Um, but like, who, like, who are some of the people that influence you? Yeah. Well, one, I have a really amazing partner, Matthew Lystra. And uh, he does a lot of this creative work with me too. He's actually in a MFA program getting his degree in creative writing. And uh, he's had a really tough past year too. And uh, loss of a family member, very important to him. And uh, we've been on kind of a wild journey of transformation together. So he's definitely a huge support to me. And we just support one another's art with, you know, in complete fullness you know, because that's what brings us so much joy and passion in life. And so far as like, you know, figures other people know, I mean, 
you know, I, I love, I mentioned Sia. I love her. You know, I love Miley Cyrus. Um, you know, I connect with all, I connect with Big Sean. You know, I, I connect with a lot of different artists because as I've tapped into like my full range of emotion, I'm able to tap into like a lot of different performers and their arts as well, and what they're bringing and channeling into the world uh, with their energies. Uh, I would say right now, a really huge influence in my life is um, a, a lot of my spiritual teachers, honestly. Uh, I do work with a lot of uh, energy workers and things. You know, I, I have my experience with Western medicine. I have my other experiences with <laughs> different kinds of medicine as well. And that's something that's been really integral to, you know, lifting my spirit and really being a foundation for, uh, you know, my, my healing and having this medicine in my life. So I've had a lot of, as I mentioned, shamanic teachers. I've had a lot of, of folks work with, you know, my chakras. It's, some, it's a practice I've learned to do as well. And because I'm such a visual sort of imaginative creative person, one of my gifts is you know, being a mediator, and this might sound a little wild, I mean, but I'm going to talk, because, but it's me, I can't hide me anymore. You know, I'm a mediator between, like, people's sort of, like, their spiritual world, their astral plane, their guides, God, their body, themselves, them, whatever you want to call it, right, whatever it is for you, you know, communicate between this, and, you know, this is what other people did for me, too, Loki, right, communicate with this sort of higher version of self and get a lot of empowerment really see myself in a new life like look at past lives that's a lot of the work too and see like not just the trauma in this life but the trauma that like we just carry in our body even if you look at even if you don't believe in past lives like even like the trauma that we carry from generations in our family from before like old stuff like this has even been western scientifically proven right that we can carry and pass on like psycho, even psychological trauma and carry that in like in our bodies, right? And so I was working through just, you know, things I think I had been carrying in my body for a really long time as well and in a very spiritual sense. So I think the spiritual work I have done has been a really big component because these visions that I have of like, you know, past lives and just energy and like, they're very colorful. They have plot line story narratives too. Like it's something that actually really helps me see the full vision of like a creative work or a creative film or like a book or like whatever it is seen for a photography shoot or concept or whatever. It helps me think about all of these different elements, all these different pictures, right? That are even on a psychic level, like involved in like creation, you know? So I bring like, you know, this very sort of scientific, very, you know, uh, like present day, very like medicinal experience with this more like ancient spiritual knowledge and experience as well. And use them both as medicine in my life, just like the traditional form of like athleticism and movement and sport that I always used to know with these new more, you know, quote unquote, like creative artistic versions of it. Now I think that it can like be both, you know? Oh, I, the spirit I, of science. Uh, <laughs> you gotta always bring science into it. Absolutely. No, I think you're right. Like I, I, what, like you're still so young and, and I'm curious, like, but you've done so much in your short life and like, what, like, what do you, like, give me like a five-year 
like plan for you. Projection. Yeah, I mean, I know that that's yeah. corny as shit, but I, I think in some ways, I think you do have you have a very good focus on like some of the things that you're trying to accomplish. But at, you know, like like we were talking about earlier, like in sports, even if you have a play written, sometimes the chaos takes over. So, I mean, is there is there a plan for you? Like, do you want to have like exhibitions and and continue doing, um, you know, student advising? I mean, have you ever thought about coaching or teaching? Because again, I think that that energy that you have is very it fits into those worlds in some ways. Oh, and, yeah. and you're very much, obviously you're able to do that because you have that experience. So I just, you know, projection time, go. No, I'm just kidding. Sure. <laughs> Action. Uh, and so, scene. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Man, there's so many things that I want to do. Um, and, you know, one is I have this trilogy of po poetry books now that also go together and are really like the background of a lot of the art and create. I want to get those uh, manuscripts good to go and get them published. I would love to see them. Uh, this very physical manifestation in the world. Uh, working on the art exhibit based on the book of poetry right now and these, you know, visual uh, sort of uh, modeling and photography, these very scenic stills of, you know, what I've done, like sort of model, it's like mod marrying modeling and dance together, right? Creating the art exhibit for that, hopefully seeing that out in the world and galleries in the next couple years. Yeah. I don't know what the pandemic's going to do, right? That's one plan. Uh, I'm shatter. optimistic. We're going to get out of this soon. <laughs> optimism, optimism. I, I feel it. I feel that it's going to get better as well. Hopefully not before too much more time has gone by, but we'll find out. Uh, there's that, you know, I actually have two films I've been writing and planning uh, that I would love to action this year. One is another dance film. I'm not going to say the song yet. I'm just going to have to keep it <laughs> secret right now. Um, but I've actually written a part for having a second dancer or second character in the film. And this woman is also going to bring, it's going to be more of a creative collaboration with the team much of the same team I worked with on the dance film for Wolves. And uh, that one's gonna be hopefully if, you know, the timing and like the pandemic, all these things continues to, to work in our favor, then that would be something I would love to shoot before the summer. Uh, but with that aside, it's actually kind of a warm up for a bigger, shorter film that I've written that isn't going to be founded on uh, like the energy of a song it's actually going to be like a short film with like more of a plot line. And uh, it's gonna be about like seven to 10 minutes. And that's something I would like to shoot around September. Again, it's loose plans, loose plans right no, now. No, but I, it, you know, again, like things, things can change, but you have it in your head that you do have multiple projects that are, exactly. are either internally in the works or have already started in some ways. Exactly. And that's more of like sort of like my artistic projection, you know, so far as the other things that you were sort of speaking to and the things I do, like one thing I am doing right now is I offer, you know, my like mentorship to private clients using shamanic visualization, doing energy work for those who are really interested in diving into that, you know, spiritual world where they can really take a look at themselves because what I've found in my life, what I've often been afraid of isn't death necessarily and it isn't like bad things happening and it isn't like 
you know, of course I don't like all of the pain that I've experienced. It definitely was not fun. Um, but that's like the story of pain is not one I want to continue like carrying on my back and always being like, yeah, Tracy has a story of pain. Like that's not something I want to like continue manifesting in my life. Right. I want to heal from that like story. So one of the well, things and I, not I to love, interrupt, you know what I mean? I was gonna say not to interrupt, oh, but that's, that's what I was going to say. Like you, you do, you don't project that. Like, that's mm. what I mean. Like, I think you really do project optimism and, and joy. So thank you as an outsider. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, hey, no, I appreciate being seen uh, because that's essentially the nature of the spiritual work that I do. Like shamanic visualization, whether you believe in past lives or not, it's actually just a way for, you know, some of the best, you know, people like healers, teachers, you know, that have been shown up for me in my life have been ones who could see me when I wasn't really able to see myself or willing to see myself, or I was scared to see myself or my greatness and like what I was really capable of. And that's what I was going to mention is I think sometimes we're actually more scared of like our gift and like our life force and like our passion and like whatever our form of greatness is in the world, because that means like our life changes. Mm -hmm. Like, you know how people are often scared of their own success, right? just as much as they might be anything else. So really the work that I love to do, like on this, this very spiritual, like plane and this very um, healing, like medicine, new age sort of medicinal medicine here is work with people to offer them like someone who's willing in this very vulnerable way to like, you know, I see you, you see me, like, we're like these mirroring things. Like we mirror to each other, right? Like here, let me show you this like vision of like, how amazing you are or something you're healing in your life, right? That's what I really love to be able to offer people in this very sort of like advising, like mentor role, because it's so, so healing because eventually the hope is, you know, you see you, you see how great you are. You see your gift. Like, is everything going to be perfect? Always no. Like, are there never going to be any mistake? You know, are you ever going to do Like, I don't think we're bad. I don't think there's really mistakes. I think we just learn as we go. I, that's how I teach. Yeah. You know? Like you can't, fu- you can't fuck something else. You just fix it and you learn. You I learn. Mean, not, you just, you're like, yeah. I failure, might failure is like, failure, like particularly in sports. Mm-hmm. Well, in society too, I shouldn't just say sport, but it's, I, I always bring the baseball analogy. It's like in baseball, you're going to fail 70% of the time. And that means you're awesome. I mean, and, right? and yeah. I, th- I think that's the same way with art or being creative. It's yeah. like, don't expect to like sit there and create a masterpiece. And who cares? Like, what does that even mean? And just right. like, I always think mistakes are more important because you learn from it. Like when you make something that's great, it's like, oh, okay, well, what do I do, what do, I do now? Oh, sure, sure. And I mean, you know, that is definitely something I've learned from my ex- experience in basketball too. And just like over the course of my life, really literally in everything, it's applicable to everything. Yep. And, uh, hmm. you know, when I think about like offering like a service to the world, other than even just like the spiritual work, you know, I, when I, I remember when I was running late and I got into that bad car accident, I was actually on the way to coaching, um, like a fourth grade uh, girls basketball, like <laughs> team practice, <laughs> you know, like I've done d- many different 
things in my life and like have offered, you know, I guess what you're saying is sort of like type of energy that I have into these different realms. And, you know, I, I think I would, I would love to continue, uh, you know, on my path in a very similar way. You know, I don't know if it'll be like very literally like continue to be like basketball coaching or if it'll be, you know, bringing like my art exhibit into like a children's hospital and, you know, like reading and like performing and like helping kids, people, anyone sort of tap into what their full range of emotions are. Because I think that's like what creative work, like these people that I've looked up into my life, like I love lots of classic painters and artists and, you know, different writers. Like if you haven't checked out Catherine and Valenti, that's going to be my one plug. She's this, <laughs> she's this amazing, uh, how do you very spell adult. the last name? Yeah, it's V A L E N T E. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And mm -hmm. okay. and she is this like adult sci-fi fantasy fiction fairy tale writer. She writes novels and you know you know different series, but she also writes like shorter like pieces too. And I actually got to meet her um, during chemo and got to visit her, and she like signed a bunch of books for me. It was like my dream, you know, like, getting getting to meet this author, but. What I've found is like what actors, artists, creators, writers, these different people have done for me in my life is, you know, like when we watch a film or like when we watch something on Netflix or whatever, we're getting to see like, even in a sort of like a situation that honestly it's not real, right? It's staged, but it's still very human. And like, we're getting to see these people like perform and show up like in all these different like ways, like angry, sad, you know, what the full spectrum of like emotion. And I think we are really engaged in these things because they give us permission to feel and access these things within ourselves too sometimes. And for a long time, I didn't give myself permission to really go there, you know? And really I, show up in my fullness and but now it's like I want that's like kind of the medicine work I want to do is I want people to be able to show up like in the same way I use know? that I use that verbiage all the time um with what we do the permission part because mm. I really think a lot of people are I don't want to say they're scared of creativity because we're all creative beings, all of us. Like everybody oh, sat yeah. at the Everyone's kitchen table. Everyone's a creator. Yeah. I believe we're all creators. Yep. Yeah. But most people stop. And mm -hmm. and then it becomes like this kind of fear um, mm -hmm. about doing it. Like, because I can't even draw a stick figure. And it's like, well, who cares? Don't draw stick figures. But it's it, it's yeah. like why I think people like you, people like the, the people we get to work with, you know, I always use this this guy because I, I love the guy. He's awesome. Uh, Tony Mandridge. He's a former NFL mm. football player. Huge guy. You know, six foot six or five, whatever. And big dude. And he makes these beautiful photographs. And mm. for me, it's like a person like that, that, that can walk into a room like this huge mountain of a human, but makes these beautiful photographs. It gives people permission to go, mm. oh... I can also be creative if he can do that because it's sometimes yeah. it's those roadblocks that we put up. Well, he's a macho guy. He, he would never do something that's beautiful or creative. And it's like, mm. this guy is, it. it's, I think it's a really important statement slash phrase, whatever you want to say, the permission element, because it's not just for the kids because the kids are already kind of 
creative anyways, but it's for the adults too, because the adults yeah. are the ones that are stuck, you know, yeah. and, and to, to allow them to go, Oh, I can do that. If he's doing that, it, yeah. it allows me to do Absolutely. that. Absolutely. So. I a hundred percent, this is, this is brilliant because I mean, I a hundred percent believe that we're all creators. And I also believe that the, any creative process is really vulnerable. Yep. And the same thing in the spiritual work that I do, it's actually really a huge part of the creative dynamic, like I mentioned, because a lot of times in the art that we create, we see ourselves, especially if you're like on camera, I'm like, oh crap, like I gotta like, look, I'm gonna be in the, <laughs> like right. before Wolves came out, I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna terrify people, you know, like this is gonna be intense. But when I saw it, I mean, it was amazing. Like I wouldn't have wanted to show up with any less of myself or my intensity or my passion, right? That's like exactly what I wanted to do. And it wasn't crazy and it wasn't weird, right? Just like, and it's really just a self-expression. We all deserve to be in our fullest expression. And like, yeah, like I think adults, I think sometimes we do get bogged down by like, you know, the life will always be life, <laughs> yeah. you know, stresses, you know, finances, whatever. And we get bogged down too with like, like this guy you're talking about, like, you know, people would project onto him what their idea of like who he is, yep. right? But it's bigger than the projections. Like, you know, we can't always absorb, you know, other people's projections or how the world or whoever might see us. Like, that's why like creativity, I think is so important. And like, even the spiritual work for me is so important because I get to choose beneath all these projections. Like people project onto me all the time. I went to the grocery store and like, I look down and like a woman's like petting my leg. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, what's going on? Like, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, I would be like, what the hell is going on? What the hell is going on? Not an interesting experience. That's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we can always do a part two. Like I have no yeah, problem I, with that. Yeah. But you know what I mean? But it's yeah. like, you know, everyone, it, it, you, people will gladly tell you who you are, but yeah. you know, I, I think creative work is a more of an expo exploration and a, me and a medicine that we can offer ourselves, right. To it, take it's us wherever proven, It's proven <laughs> if you make work, even, even looking at art or creative, creative things, you, there, you get us, the, the endorphins happen, you know, to go off and, and you have joy. Like yeah. you're happier. I always say, it's like, God, if every person on this planet did something creative for 20 minutes every day, mm -hmm. we would be a better planet. Like just like flat. People are hard on themselves though. They are yep. judging their self. Like yep. you said, the example of the stick figure, like people yep. are really oh, like, that's, I'm so hard. Oh my God. That's like one of my greatest weaknesses in my life. I'm so hard on myself. But that's your, really that's critical. the athlete. That's yeah. the athlete yeah. in there. Like that. Is, and I don't yeah. think that's bad to be self-reflective and, and evaluate. It's, it's. But it is, it goes back to the permission thing. It's like, give yourself permission to fuck up too. Like, don't, yeah. it's, it's, it's not about, I always say it's not about the piece. It's about the process, which I think mm -hmm. a lot of people think of it the other way around. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I mean, I understand that like we all, we are a product based society, like, but to me, the, the process is it's so much more enjoyable than the, the piece. Like other people can yeah. enjoy the piece, but when you're making, I'm, you know, I'm using an analogy of peace, like it's a oh, piece, sure, but, sure. but the, the process of making it 
to me is so much more rewarding than when I'm done with it. It's like when I'm done with it, it's like, okay, next, next. you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's true though. And exactly. it's, um, and I just think people that aren't really into that creative mode yet are always looking for the end point and not thinking about the process. And, and once they get into the process, they start realizing, Oh, this is where the joy is. This is where the healing is. This is where, you know, like you, you get into that creative mode and, and, you know, I always say life is like a roller coaster. Like, look, love is like a roller coaster. Sorry. I'm going to break, <laughs> break down this, break down the songs. Um, but when you're doing creative and physical exercises, that roller coaster isn't so dramatic because you're constantly releasing these endorphins and, and, and in a, you know, that, that flow state or, or the, what do they call the, the physical state? Um, you're in the zone and, and like, you know, then you're just constantly in this euphoric state and yeah. I don't know. I, speaking of sports, do, like, I, always, I'm absolutely on the same page here. <laughs> do you still like have a, have a, a love for a sport? Like, do you still like watch games oh, and different man. stuff or is it? Uh, I've been watching uh, who have I been watching a lot lately? Kemba on the oh, Celtics. Yeah. Oh, My yeah. partner loves Boston. So oh, we've man. been watching, we've watched a lot of Boston basketball over the last few months. They <laughs> haven't done spectacular, but it's okay. We're, they're learning whatever it is that they're trying to fix out and work out here. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I've, I watch and I follow, uh, a lot of my favorite athletes on my Instagram. I love following Sue Bird. And then I also follow like the UConn women's basketball page. Yeah. I'm always seeing, you know, I follow U of R women's basketball page. Um, you know, one of my good friends is like coach Mooney who coaches the men's U of R basketball yeah. team. So, you know, obviously basketball is part of our conversations too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I am still very much connected with like that community and still draw like a lot of inspiration from it. And I would say like really so far as like actioning like sports in my life and things like that, really the main one for me right now is dance. Yep. And because it's the perfect blend to me of um, physical movement and <laughs> lots of exercise, uh, especially hip hop dance, which is something I really love. Uh, but even something more like ballet, it's the same thing. I mean, it's, it's a very intense and very uh, something you really have to be you know, grounded in your body to really be able to really tap into it and give yourself permission to move your body and yep. explore your body in all these different ways, you know? Um, do I still pick up a basketball sometimes and dribble around and mess around? I definitely do. It's not the same as it used to be. I have to jump with one leg to shoot my right. three pointers, but my form's still great. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> No, but it, it like you, we can you, still play horse. We yeah. can still play horse. And yeah. I could probably still beat you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I got I got range, girl. I don't know what you're talking about. I can. Okay, well, it, we would both probably get to the to the R and the S. I, see where it goes. I see. I I I played basketball, even with students and a couple um, professors up until a couple years ago, when um, I had a couple couple guys I played with that tore their ACLs, and I'm like. I, even though I've never had any knee problems, it's just like, I can't, I can't do that at this point in my life. And so, but yeah, I, I, you know, like I, 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 the reason why I ask, and I think it's, it's cool. is like, you are, you still have that relationship, um, to sport, it, just the love of it. Um, because oh, I do yeah. think sports 
sports is it's kind of joy <laughs> like even well, watching it absolutely and, and you know even and I, trying a new sport yep, too like yep. i one thing i did do is uh when i was in colorado all those years i forgot all about this this is probably an interesting plug but i really got into climbing oh, i had cool. never climbed before in my whole life really yep. and i decided to do it when i had one leg <laughs> but <laughs> hey just give yourself an obstacle let's go for it come on uh, i had there, i had a partner in my life at the time who was also an amputee and he i had actually lost his leg climbing oh whoa and so it was st- and he was still climbing still a really big part of his life and his world and so i got really into it and uh, became really good at belaying. I did climb my first mountain uh, on Colorado Canyon out there. It was terrifying, but I did it. And beautiful. <laughs> uh, and beautiful. Yes, it was. It, I mean, it was amazing being. Up what there. part did you live I mean, in, by the way? I lived in Boulder. Okay, that my I did live my in Boulder. my business. Two of my business partners live in Fort Collins. So. Oh right, yeah. So. And Fort Collins is really yeah. cool too. Yeah. I mean, there's so many good, cool cities out there yeah. with lots and of we, land in between. I think I'm, I think I mentioned this. We bought. 20 acres in montana did i mention what are that you all gonna do out there start an artist land. athlete residency like and that's like, so cool that's why you know like montana's beautiful oh yeah no it's it's like a dream in some ways yeah. and so like that stuff that you know like once we start getting you know there's no buildings on it we have to we have to build it out but like stuff that we would want you to be involved in like doing a mm. workshop or something and and um just you know again, like, because I think you are an inspiring person and what you can teach, not just young kids, but adults, like just perseverance mm-hmm. and understanding of, of a creative and, and an athletic practice and how important oh, yeah. it is. You know? Even just writing and like yep. self-expression. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. Even if you can't write, like it doesn't matter. You know, just some, I turn on my recorder on my phone. Sometimes I just talk. Oh, I do that all the time. I do that because I, I, I write music. No, I write music. Oh, yeah. So it's just like, I mean, it, you know, back when I started playing in bands, 30 years ago or whatever it was like, I literally carried around a tape recorder. So now like these phones are great for me. It's just like, and it's, I don't even play any instruments, but now I can like rate entire songs on garage band. And, and so it's just, it's, it, it's a whole There's different a world. Stuff available. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I would love to teach, you know, and, well, that's stuff. That's creative stuff. classes, writing stuff. Who knows what the future holds? I'm open to all no, of it. No, that's know? why I think you know, like we just, and again, like we'll wrap this up now. Like, um, yeah. but I think that there, this could be like a second podcast down the road. Um, you know, just kind of a catching up because I do think like you have so many things that you're doing that an update would be great to hear. Like, I mean, <laughs> oh, really, yeah. truly. I would love to. Um, and, you know, I've been, I, I, sometimes I think it's fun to have two different people on from, you know, it might be interesting. I've been working on trying to get Elena Della Don on, which you would love probably. Or Sue Bird. I get, try to get Sue Bird on. Oh my God. You know, let's get Sue on. Uh, that's too. what I'm saying. <laughs> but I, but I think that, you know, those conversations are important because, the connectedness of the sport, but just thinking differently and having, having from two different perspectives. I just, uh, the more that we can talk about these things, about creative practices and physical practices, and just kind of having a whole health kind of understanding of us as humans, the better. And, And so that's what we're really trying to promote. And that's why I love having you on here today because i just Thank you. again just um 
I just, I do. I think you're like really, really inspiring and in how you have really attacked the stuff that's happened in your life and you just, you're moving forward. So thank you. Thank you. Well, I really appreciate this conversation connecting and well, we can have conversations off the of camera too. Like we can do that later. Oh, we have a lot yeah. to talk yeah. about now, right? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. So, um, but cool. But again, I just really, really thank you for, for doing this. Um, and, and we will, like, as I said, we'll catch up, um, sooner than later. And I think, I don't know when this is going to be out sometime in April. Um, yeah, let me know and I'll let you know and I'll, I'll tune in. yeah, now we'll, we'll send you, um, like some promo stuff and, um, and, um, actually, do you have any musician friends that would want to lend a song? Um, let me know if, if not, I, I might, okay. Actually. If you, if I'll you don't, you know. I'll, I'll put music together, but I always like to try to ask, um, just cause it's makes it a little bit more personal. So sure. Oh no. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I will, I'll email you and I will look into it. I might, I might. Cool. Well, I'm a Laker fan, so go Lakers. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> oh, ooh, the Boston. <laughs> exactly. It's the anti-Laker. Right <laughs> if you haven't, if you haven't watched that documentary on the Lakers and Celtics from from the '80s, Bird Magic, it's di- your 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 partner will love it. It's dynamite. It's so cool. Old birds, old yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah. I'll have to tap in on that. Well, Ron, take care and thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. You have an awesome day. Catch you later. Okay, bye. See ya. (laughs) Just absolutely love talking with Tracy today. Really so much optimism, such great stories, and really truly a survivor. Uh, I cannot say enough about her and her will and her passion. Again, make sure to follow her on Instagram at without a trace eight. That's W-I-T-H-O-U-T-A-T-R-A-C-E-8. Do not forget to listen to the other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, The Abstract Doctors with Dr. G and Dr. C. You can follow us at theabstractdoctors.com or on social media under The Abstract Doctors. And One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandridge podcast. You can follow us at onemansethos.com or onemansethos on all the social media platforms. You can also follow Tony on Instagram at Tony Mandridge or on Twitter at Tony underscore Mandridge. And make sure to stop by his website, TonyMandridge.com. Thank you for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. Stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com, and our social media outlets for future events, pop-up exhibits, podcasts, and other information, including daily creative training journals and subscription boxes. See you next time when we talk with an incredible human, former world-class snowboarder, and two-time X-game gold medalist and entrepreneur and real estate agent Steve Fisher. Thanks as always and do not forget to exercise the body and do not forget to exercise the mind. Stay well out there.